Hello and welcome to this week's Rancho Cordova podcast. My name is Charles Lego and I'm your host. On this week's show, we have a very interesting and wide-ranging discussion with Cheryl Gleason. We are such a throwaway society. You know, it used to be that a car lasted, you know, 100 years. Now we're lucky if it lasts this much. A couch, right. you know. You have a quote on your website. Yes. You say, the same is true of our homeless, elderly, and mentally conflicted. There is a beauty in what lies underneath the surface, end quote. Now that, Cheryl, is a beautiful statement. What do you mean by that in relation to what you do? So if I were to take a homeless person off the street, they might smell bad because they haven't had a bath, they haven't had a haircut, they haven't showered. If you took that person and you showered them, gave them a haircut, they would look just like you and I. Exactly. Cheryl is the art director and curator of the Mill Station Arts and Cultural Center, known locally as the MAC. Cheryl has been with the MAC as its director since it opened its doors in 2018, and during that time has built the MAC into one of the best and most respected art centers in the Sacramento region. On the show, we talk about the many events Cheryl has curated, we talk about art and artists, we discuss the many classes the MAC offers, and we also find out that Cheryl is also a very accomplished and successful artist in her own right. I really enjoyed this conversation. We spoke for almost two hours, and we managed to only shave off 20 minutes, as this was such an interesting conversation. So grab a coffee, or even a cup of tea and crumpets, Relax, take some time to learn about the arts in our city. I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoyed speaking with Cheryl. So let's start off by telling our listeners what the Mill Station Arts and Cultural Center, MAC for short, is. So give us the elevator pitch, so to speak. The MAC, uh, Mills Station Art and Culture Center, we've reduced that to MAC because it's cool, um, is Rancho Cordova's premier art and culture center. We have art, we have traveling exhibits, we feature local artists, we do concerts, we do lectures, movies, we do a little bit of everything. And that's where we host our Youth Poet Laureate as well. So we have all of the arts at the MAC. And everything that you just said, we're going to be talking about as we move along. When did the MAC open its doors? I believe 2018 is what I read. And also the building the MAC is housed in has quite a unique history. So can you tell us about that? So first of all, was it 2018? Officially, our ribbon cutting was February 28th, 2018. Okay. Yes. Um, we did a soft opening with our Winter Fest or our pop-up gallery at the time in 2017 in November. But the official is 2018. So we'll get into how the Mac came about. But tell us about the building. And I've, you know, we've done this pod. Anybody that listens to this podcast, we've talked about it a couple of times. Linda Budge very eloquently told us about the building. I think she was instrumental in it. And then, of course, um, Shelley Blanchard from Cordova Council. She also told. But why don't you tell us? You're the boss there. Tell us about the history of the building. 
So uh, the building was built by John Studaris, and uh, it was built in 1911. And it sat down the street from where it sits now, and it was right up on what we consider today Folsom Boulevard. Um, that really was the through fare of how you got to Tahoe. It's essentially back then uh, was our Highway 50, um, later to become the Lincoln Highway, and, and then Highway 50 was built. John Sudaris originally, um, as far as I did research through, uh, opened it originally as a cannery. It didn't last as a cannery for very long, but it remained the longest as he operated a grocery store there. And that grocery store um, was so instrumental in a lot of the area and the people of the area as far back as um, residents still, such as Kiyosato, who uh, this year is 99 years old, as a child brought her siblings to that grocery store in the little library in the back to read to them wow. in the 30s. So let me stop you. When you say Highway 50, so where was it? Like, what, what would we know where it is? Folsom Boulevard? It, Folsom Boulevard. Was about Highway a, 50? Yeah. Okay. Much like uh, West Capitol Avenue in uh, West Sacramento used to be how you got to Sacramento was considered Highway 80. I see. Okay. So it was on back then Highway 50, today Folsom Boulevard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> it it probably had a, a street name all to itself. I don't know when it became Folsom Boulevard, but it was the thoroughfare to get to places. So it was also the the trailhead, if you will, uh, where the Pony Express came through and and how okay. you got to Tahoe. And, um, wow. It, yeah. It's, uh, Rancho has such a rich, incredible history. It does. How long have you been – you're the curator slash art director there. That's your official title. How long have you been there? I think it's from the beginning. And how did it come about? Tell us how you got the job, so to speak. So um, I – was an artist that would put art in shows that we had at City Hall. I worked here in Rancho Cordova at Heald College, and somebody said, if you have a tie, if you live in Rancho or work there, they've got these art shows. So a couple of my uh, workmates said, you should put some of your art in there. So I started submitting art, and I started to get to know a few of the artists, and I got to know Marie, Marie Becksteger, who at that point in time, was in charge of those City Hall art shows. And we kind of struck up a, a friendship, and um, it came about that I had left there, and I went to work for somebody else uh, who shall not be named in Rancho Cordova, where I ran a training center. And then uh, that got closed down and Marie pinged me on Facebook and said, hey, do you have a job yet? Come and talk to me. Wow. So okay. I did. That's a was, good way of getting the job. Right? Call you. Yeah. yeah. And the rest is history, as they say. The rest is history. There were, you know, some, uh, it was hush-hush because there was, nobody had, nobody knew anything yet. And, uh, you know, they had been working on renovating the building and like any construction project, it was a little bit behind schedule. Um, and it was in the existing place where it is today. It okay. is. Yeah. So that was the brainchild is if, if, if everything I've heard is correct. Um, a mixture of Linda Budge, 
who I believe is the mayor, next mayor for our city. Yes. And um, Cyrus Abar, the city manager. And um, one other person, or is that it? Well, uh, Don Natoli originally gave the first seed money, which I think was about $40,000, right. to Rancho to start the to project. To start it, okay. And it was really Sab Cyrus Abhar, um, as they were looking at properties, um, they'd seen a couple, and he's like, no, this won't do, this won't do. I've got this idea, and the Mac is, is where right. it landed, so it's... Between so, Linda and him, it's because So of even back then, the city was very supportive of the arts, which they are today. And we'll get into that a little bit. So um, before we get into all things Mac, and we will, we have a tradition on this show for anybody that's listening where we like to get to know our guests. So we want to get to know Cheryl Gleason. So tell us, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Tell us about your parents, all that kind of fun stuff. So I was uh, born in Sandpoint, Idaho. In 1964, and it's a very small town, uh, about 52 miles from the Canadian border. Wow, in the chilly. It, very chilly yeah. in the panhandle of Idaho. Yeah. Um, we lived out in Hope. Sandpoint was the big town of 4,000. So we lived in Hope, which at the time when I was born uh, had a population of 64. 64 people? Right. <laughs> so Whoa. it was... It was it was, uh, it was, yeah. So, uh, wow. My, so everybody mom, knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody. And no, no hanky panky there. No, caught. Yeah. no. But it was, those were different times, right? The early right. 60s. Yeah. And so my, um, my mom was uh, a commercial fisherman on the lake. Uh, the Hope and Sandpoint and a few other towns. Um, Lake Ponderay is one of the largest lakes in the United States, and it is the one of the deepest lakes that's a non-man-made lake. It's over 1,000 feet deep. As a matter of fact, they do submarine testing there. Okay. Um, Does it freeze? It must. Yes. Yeah. There's only, to my knowledge, once in the last 200 years where it's frozen all the way across. Because wow. it's eight miles across and 40 miles long. Okay, that's so it's a big a, lake. It's a big, yeah. big lake. Okay. Um, and in Hope, we our, our house sat out over up on a hill that looked out over the lake and the islands, that two little islands, three little islands that so are out there. you grew up in beauty. It was gorgeous. You and 64 others. Yes, it was yeah. absolutely okay. gorgeous. I had to uh, have a sister who is 14 years older than me. I was uh, a bit of a whoopsie. Um and my father was a sire, a logger, and he worked for the St. Regis Paper Company mill in um So your parents Montana. are very outdoorsy. Your mother was a fisherman on a fishing boat, like, <laughs> so like my, the deadliest catch. So type not of quite, but yeah. she is uh, she's, you know, one of fifteen children, number ten. So growing up in the depression, so she was made of hardy stock. She's star, yeah. Yeah, and, and your uh, dad was a logger. That's a tough job as well. They spent their first yeah. year of marriage in a logging tent, which is tent sides with a wooden floor okay. for the first year. So she clearly loved him. So now that I know that, that says a lot. Now I I know Cheryl a little better. Um, where did you go to school? I went to school in Sandpoint. Um, my father, after when I was six months old, my father was killed in a logging accident. So um, 
<clears throat> five years later. You were how old? Sorry. Six months. Oh, so you don't have that recollection of your dad? No. Okay. No, and I always said that uh, I would never, no matter if I got married or what, I would keep my last name because it's the only thing I have of my father's. Yeah. And I've kept that to that yeah. day. Okay. Um, so my mother remarried, and we moved to the big town of Sandpoint. A hundred residents. No, 4,400. 4, yeah. <laughs> Even so, yeah. So the, the, the gentleman that uh, she married was um, very set up in the community. He, his father started a clothing store there in the late 1800s, and he continued to, to run it. So it was kind of a family generational thing. Okay. And you went to high school, and when you did, you like high school? I hated school. Yeah, the only thing I liked about school was uh, PE, lunch, and art. Everybody, I ask everybody the same question, and everybody always says, "Oh, I love school. I hated school. I hated it." Yeah. So, did were you a good student? Uh, um, that... Actually, no. I no. was a terrible student. I was C average. Um, I didn't like school. But there was a lot of stuff going on in, you know, my youth, and so I think that had a lot to do were with it. Were you rebellious? Uh, very. Yeah. So, Cheryl, this is the most honest answer I've had, because everybody tells me they love school, they were great students, and they, they loved it. And I'm thinking, mm, I'm not so sure. But yeah. I, I feel you. I'm exactly the same as you. So did you go to college? I, you know, I never wanted to go to college, but my mom, you know, coming from the depression and being one of 15 children, she's like, no, you need to go to school. You need to go to college. So I said, fine. So I went to architectural drafting school because it was 12 months. And so I moved to Arizona, went to this school. It you was did? 12. It was like seven hours a day for a year. And it was like a Monday through Friday thing. So it was that that's all you did. Right. So you went from the ice age yes. into 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 the oven into the oven. Wow. Okay, that was yeah. the first time you had traveled. Well, so part of the reason uh, was that that was a pretty good school at the time. But growing up, um, my mom and my stepfather were snowbirds, so they would leave Idaho and spend four to six months down in Arizona. Oh, okay. And so I would live with my sister, okay. who was uh, okay. is is like a second parent, only not. Okay. So during all this time, you know, the phrase, what do you want to do when you grow up? What did you want to do when you grew up? Uh, when I was still in, say, grade school and early high school, I wanted to, if I had to go to college, I wanted to play basketball because I loved playing basketball. Um, but back then, women's leagues, they were very rare right. and hard to find, and Title IX hadn't been invented yet and all right. that. Um, but I really didn't see myself as going to college college. Right. So after architecture school, what did you do? Well, I worked a little bit in um, an architecture office that designed restaurants and food facilities within golf courses okay. and these major resorts. And I had always had jobs in restaurants. My first restaurant job, I was 13 and a half washing dishes. So I've worked very literally. Legal, I'm sure. Well, in Idaho, yeah. there are very few child yeah. labor laws back then. Um, <clears throat> so, and I was always tall for my age. Yeah. So um, I've been working, I mean, I had a checking account at 13. Okay. I had my first job when I was 11. Yeah. 
So I basically have worked all my life. So after school, you you pursued the architecture type. Yes. Of thing. So is that where your art? Because I, I we're going to talk about you being a very good artist, which I also found out. Um, is that where your love of art came from? Well, um, no, I've always had a love of art. My sister is incredibly talented. I had an aunt that was a china painter. Um, my grandmother even was a little bit of an artist. Um, I actually would have loved to have gone to art school, but being from a small town, there's one art teacher for all of the classes in the entire high school, and he was terrible. So I got into architecture sort of to get out of those classes. I still needed something that inspired a bit of creativity. And so basically it was an easy access off that ramp on the highway of life to to head in a different direction. But I always, always wanted to be an artist. Okay. So after um, school, architecture, you went to work and you put some of that to use? Yes, and I hated non- every minute of it. You didn't like it? I hated being chained down to a desk. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I never left my bartending job. And so I would bartend at night and I would do this during the day. And I was making more money part-time bartending than I was. I was making four twenty-five an hour, which in Arizona, that was the minimum wage then. In the four twenty-five, four twenty-five, wow. and it was ridiculous. Um, I've had some very odd jobs in my life. I've worked at a racetrack. I've logged. I've you know done, but that was tedious and horrible. Okay, did you stay in Arizona? I did for a little bit, just because. So I, where where in Arizona? In Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. And and there's really not a lot to do, so that's where I learned how to play golf. Because uh, back then there were no professional sports teams except for the uh, Phoenix Suns. Um, it's not like it is today, so it was it was kind of a drag. And how long did you live in Phoenix? I lived there for five years. Okay. And then one night while having beers at a bar playing pool, which is dangerous, we decided my roommate and I decided we hated this, and so why don't we move? And where did you go? Well, we threw out a few names, and we landed on San Francisco. Yeah. And it was like, okay, when? Yeah, nothing Let's, wrong with San Francisco. Six months from now. Yeah. Okay, and that's how I got here. So you, San Francisco was your first stop. Yes. Yeah. And what did you do there? Uh, suffered for a, quite a while yeah. because the cost of living right. was. I thought it. I was always being offered jobs in Arizona, so I thought, oh, it'll be easy. Look at all the restaurants and whatnot in San Francisco. It was a little bit more difficult, but uh, we 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 got it together, and uh, I put um, our first and last month's rent on my credit card. Um, we lived on our change that we had brought with us from Arizona. We each had 86 cents a day, so you had to decide... Was today going to be Top Ramen noodles, or is it a Snickers bar kind of day? Wow, okay. It was character building. Yeah, very character building. Hey, listen, there is nothing wrong with that, and I completely understand, trust me. So how did you end up in Rancho Cordova or in Sacramento? So um, I lived in uh, San Francisco for eight years, and that is where I met my wife. 
um, at a restaurant where I was a bartender down on the wharf called Charlie Brown's. Mm -hmm. And we eventually moved in together. And then I started going to City College because uh, even before I had met her, just because I was bored and I wanted to take some classes. So I got into some art classes. It sort of rekindled that, oh, I love this. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this is fun. Now that it's on my dime and it's on my desire to go, I was a great student. So I got my AA. I was going to transfer to a university. And I decided on, after looking at a lot of them, that I wanted to go to UC Davis because their art department was second in the nation at the time. Okay, now we're talking. So you went from hating school, no college, no direction, no yada, 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 and you end up at Davis. Right. One of the best schools <laughs> in California. What is your wife's name? Let's. Uh, Debbie Hertz. Debbie. So you, you came, both of you came to, yeah? Yeah, she managed, so she was working in for a construction firm, and she was a, an assistant, and so she, um, assistant to the, the VP, and so she got in with the guy that was going to open the uh, new construction here in Sacramento, which was the federal courthouse downtown. Okay. Conned him into, didn't con him. She's extremely good at what she does. And she got put on that project. So when we transferred, she had a job. We lived in Davis, and she built help build the courthouse downtown, the federal courthouse. Okay, and you were at Davis. And I was at Davis. Pursuing art. Yes. And what was what was it you pursued at Davis? What uh, did you end so, up with? So I have a BA in um, studio fine art. Okay. And then I have a minor in art history, although I'm two classes away from a double major. Okay. So after Davis, did you was that the direction you wanted to go? You know, when we first moved here... We thought, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go up to Sacramento. I'm gonna go to school. Debbie's gonna work on this project, and then we're gonna go right back to the city because we loved it there. San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. But Sacramento was very enticing. It was kind of like a little bit of the quietness of home, being in Idaho, where it wasn't hustle and bustle, and the parking tickets were right. not as heavy. Right. Um, or as and still, yeah. Or as aggressive. And yet having that big city a little bit of feel to it so we ended up really liking it and And you're you're an hour and a half away from everywhere mountains sea and so yeah yeah, we decided we'd stay okay so as we're researching for this show along with jose ruiz who is the producer of this show who works with us here at the film office and he helps with all the research of the shows i found out which i did not know that you are quite the accomplished artist I've seen your website, which I have to say is a beautiful website. And Cheryl, you are truly a wonderful artist. It seems to me, as I looked into it, that you work in four different mediums. One in particular, which I, once I looked into it, I find fascinating, but speaks to me. And I'll tell you what that is in a minute. So if we can talk about them one at a time, you can describe what they are, because some of them I've never heard of. So the first one, and I don't know how to pronounce it, Encoustic? Encaustic. Encaustic. So what is that? Tell us what that medium of art is. So encaustic is probably one of the oldest forms of art next to drawing on on cave walls. Um, 
And it's a combination of taking beeswax, a little bit of tree resin, and melting them together, and then adding pigment to that, and then you paint with it while it's hot. Okay. And then you fuse layers in between with a torch, so you get to play with a lot of fire. Okay. And in the Sacramento... So that's not just picking up a paintbrush, and that's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's, okay. uh, it's a It's a very intriguing medium. Um, it's not something that I got to a, an opportunity at Davis to work with because one, it's kind of expensive and two, um, flammable products right. and different things yeah, requires a whole ventilation. And I've seen on, on your website for those it's CherylGleason.com, right? It's, uh, GleasonGallery.com. GleasonGallery.com. And I definitely encourage anyone. It's a beautiful website, but... When you go on to that section, those paintings are very beautiful. You would never think they were. They're These e wax and tree resin. Yeah, and okay. they're even more fun to sort of touch because right. they're they're very they're very sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're very nice. Acrylic paintings. I mean, acrylic is acrylic, right? So tell us a, what is acrylic painting. So we're going to pretend everybody listening is not into the arts, they, they, yeah. but they want. What's acrylic painting? So I don't do a lot of acrylic for the purpose that it dries fast. Uh, even when I began my art career, I started out in oils. So I've only recently got into acrylic. Acrylic is a polymer, so it's basically made of plastic. So acrylic and encaustic don't work together at all. Um, it's, it's a medium that works really well for mixed media, works well if you want to work quickly because it dries very quickly. Uh, it just doesn't have the luster and the creaminess that oil paint does. Right. Um, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better yeah. at it. The next one you have on your side is oils and cold wax. Now that seemed maybe a little of the first one. That is that is probably my biggest passion. That is that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so what is oils? And, so oils <laughs> is oil painting, right? And cold wax is cold wax. Yeah. So cold wax is made of beeswax, and it has a little bit of thinner or turpentine in it, and it also has a little bit of. Um, it, it's about the consistency. Remember when back in the day when you'd have an art class and there was that glue that was a paste. And a lot of kids used to eat it. It's got that same consistency. So you mix that with a little bit of a gel that has a little bit of thinner and also some resin in it. And then you mix a 50-50 blend of that with oil paint. And when you, when you put it on, it dries to a matte finish. And what I love about that, there's nothing worse than having going into somebody's home and especially photography where you there's no place to see the painting or the picture without getting some glare of something else right this doesn't you can look oh, at it at any okay. angle and it looks the okay. same yeah okay i'm going to look at those a little more closely and my favorite one is upcycle which is a great name when, when you tell people what it is it's a great name so first of all tell us what is upcycle art so uh, there are several names. Some call it recycled, upcycled. Um, it, there's a lot of different names. I call it upcycle because I'm taking things that oftentimes people throw away. Right. Um, I collect wood and pieces of stuff on walks and 
I'll stop at a big garbage pile on the street and kind of pick out some really good wood stuff, old furniture that people discard. I've got my my wife calls me Sanford and Son. Right, right. She's like, you cannot bring home any more things. Right. Um, I love rusty bits. And then you sort of put them together in an assemblage, which is another term for it, um, to make something new. So you're taking, in essence, somebody else's trash and turning it into a piece of right. of art. So where do you find all that? I, I've seen, and I, again, I encourage people to go to the website, and there's few examples and those are my favorite where where do you find you just as you say you're walking around some you of go, it hey that looks like a nice piece of art right there yeah you know? i mean i it, something just speaks to me or i've had people look at my stuff and they're like oh my god i got a whole bunch of this at home do you want it and i'll say yeah and so there for a while i had uh people bringing me all kinds of rusty things and different things and the whole concept behind this particular grouping or medium of art is we are such a throwaway society you know it used to be that a car lasted you know a hundred years now we're lucky if it lasts this much a couch you know my grandmother had the same couch for for 57 years no no you got to have the new everything right yeah and then we just toss it aside but we do that with people too right as soon as elderly people get to a certain... Well, actually, before you say that, because here's something I have. So when describing your upcycle art, you have a quote on your website. Yes. That I actually, when I read it, I thought, whoa, I found it so heartwarming and sincere. And here is the quote, and I quote. You say, the same is true of our homeless, elderly, and mentally conflicted. There is a beauty in what lies underneath the surface, end quote. Now, that, Cheryl, is a beautiful statement. What do you mean by that in relation to what you do? So if I were to take a homeless person off the street, they might smell bad because they haven't had a bath, they haven't had a haircut, they haven't showered. If you took that person and you showered them, gave them a haircut, they would look just like you and I. Exactly. And a lot of what we discard, whether it's wood or... Um, a piece of something, I take that cast-off piece and I might sand it a little bit or I might really love the intricate sort of distressing of it, the age that really looks amazing, right? We don't need everything to look new and plastic and shiny, right? Sometimes, I mean, now we, we pay manufacturers to make jeans with and then them, with yeah. holes in them, right? right? Ask Jose. Yeah. He, he comes here and I think, oh, poor, poor little thing. He needs a new pair of jeans. <laughs> and he'll like, say, they're designer jeans. Right. Yeah. So you, you take that and you make it into something new. And, and now it's appreciated in a whole new way. And I right. think we, we need to sort of think about society in that same way right. and humanity. Yeah. Because we're all going to be there at some point. Yeah. And you say that about the elderly and you say that about the mentally challenged, which, you know, I completely agree. We have a big thing here in this podcast for homeless issues, and we're going to get more into that as we go along. But I thought that was that was one of the most beautiful statements I've read. And when you pair that with what you do, um, it was it was very nice. So out of those four, which is your favorite? My favorite to work with. So if I'm if I'm painting and i've got air quotes here 
it's oil and cold wax. Yeah. I just love the medium. I love right. to work with. I don't use brushes much. I use silicone shapers. Uh -huh. So I'm putting it on with a piece of silicone that looks like a paintbrush but has no hairs on it. Right. Um, and that's helped me to stay abstract. Uh, I love making the upcycled. But my studio is such that I can't do both at the same time because it's our garage. Right. And sawdust doesn't really go no, great no, in with paint. paint. Right. Yeah. Unless you're Jackson Pollock. Hey, maybe. You never know. Maybe I mix mean, the two might find a new medium here. That could be. Yeah. And what is, like, how often do you practice your art? I try to be in the studio at least one day a week. You do? Yes. Um, oh, okay. People always ask me, for as much as you work at the Mac, how are you able to be so prolific and... Sometimes it's uh, – I've been a little bit lax in this discipline this past year, but I would get up at 5 o'clock, work from, you know, 5.30 to 7.30 in my studio, shower, and then go to work. So I'd get, you know, a couple hours in the morning uh, yeah. and then um, – Wow. Okay. So you're, you're passionate. I, I am. I, I, it's It's – it's like breathing. I get a little kind of itchy and scratchy if I don't right. produce some art sometimes. Yeah. The MAC comes under the umbrella of the Cordova Community Council, if I'm correct. That's correct. And that's how the MAC is, MAC is funded? It is funded actually by a grant from the city. So uh, all of both my salary and all of the programming at the MAC comes from the Community Enhancement and Investment oh, okay. Fund. Now, okay. that is gone through, so all of the paperwork and all the... Through Cordova. Through Cordova Community so, Council. So all the reporting things that they have, which yeah. are vast, go through Cordova Community Council. Yeah, and then okay. the reimbursements come from the city CEIF fund. And then all the events at the MAC are free. So you have no... You don't, you're not generating income everything's free no we don't generate income per se um we do get people that put donations in right um but uh, always the admittance is free yeah everything's free which yeah. is great and do people contribute to the max to the mac yeah. yeah and we'll probably have a couple little things change in 2023 um it's it's funny when when something is free and people don't have skin in the game they kind of blow it off so they'll make a reservation for something like a workshop and then they'll you know i'll spend a lot of time emailing so are you going to come because right. that it's a we're we're paying an artist to be there right. to teach them something right. and then and, they don't show up and when they don't waste. show up yeah. it's a it's a waste of time and money so um this year in 2023 we're going to be charging ten dollars just yeah. for the workshops but everything okay. else is free free and we'll get into the workshop. We're going to get into everything the Mac does. So let me ask you, as an artist, and this is a this is a, a Jose question. These guys actually give me questions to ask. This is a Jose question. In all the exhibits that you've curated at the Mac, is there an artist from Rancho or even Sacramento at large that has moved you or made some sort of impact on you via their art? Now, of course, that's an unfair question because as a curator... You love all the artists, right? But is there one in particular that has that has really sort of uh, you thought, "Wow, okay, this is something." Um, 
That is really hard because you're right. I do love so much of the art. Um, I, I can't say. No, listen, if there isn't one, there isn't one. That there's something that's moved me. I've been truly moved one time, literally to tears. Um, and that's seeing a painting for the first time that you've been studying, you know, for, for years in a gallery. And oh, I saw and... an original Van Gogh that I had never okay. seen in person. Right. And I saw it down at LACMA. And I just, I was standing there. And all of a sudden, while I didn't feel like I was overcome, right. tears just started wow. streaming down my face. And I was like looking around <laughs> like, oh, my God, did anybody see that? I don't know why it was so moving, but right. it was the one where prisoners are walking in a circle in the small little yard. Okay. And it just had a an impact. We have so many great artists, both here in Rancho Cordova and the greater Sacramento area. Um, I would have a hard time choosing. Yeah. I, as the uh, curator of the MAC, are you? do you sort of collaborate with other curators or art galleries, or are you pretty much your own? Thing. You know, the art world, it's a its a funny little world. There's a whole lot of uh, sort of old school thought of we need to keep things sort of close to the vest, um, not share things and ideas. And I, I'm really not like that. I want to share artists. I want to share ideas because that only makes all of us that much better. And so if there's anything and, and I get that I have a very different, um, I have a very different job than than other gallerists in the area that are running galleries. I don't have to worry about the rent. I don't have to worry about the light bill. I don't have to sell things in order to stay alive. Um, and that that takes it a, a lot. It frees you up, of, I would imagine, right? Yeah, that takes a lot yeah. of of time and effort. Right. Um, that said, most of those places have more than one person working right. there. So, you know, there's a bit of a trade-off. Which, just off topic, how many people work at the MAC with you? Is it just you? Me. or you Just you? Just me. Just Cheryl? Yes, and I have an amazing group of volunteers. Um, it, it is the thing about Rancho Cordova that I think is so special. Um, you know, I've worked in the city of Rancho for 13 years, and people love their community and they are willing to put in the hours to okay. keep it what wow. it is. Okay, I did not know that. I thought you had a staff of a couple, no? No. So, so everybody that you see are all volunteers? If Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Very nice. Okay. Now, I have cohorts at Cordova Community Council. Right. So if I'm stuck or if right. we're doing something that's really big, I might right. have someone to come because over Shelley and Because Shelly has a team. She has a yeah. team of people. We have, yeah, we have – there are four of us right. that – are there and um, I can get any one of those four to right. come over and help me if I if I really need it. Okay. Am I correct in saying that you sell some, the Mac, you sell some of the art that you exhibit, which I presume is for the artist. Is that correct? Or mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, you do? Yeah. So, so does the money go directly or like an art gallery, do you take a cut? We we have a small cut, yeah, and, um, which you should, by the way. Yeah, and yeah. and it's it's not really to make money because that's not the purpose of it. Um, but 
bank fees, for example. Right. So nobody has cash these days. Right. So we're all using Square or yeah. you know some sort of credit card, and bank fees eat up a tremendous of amount. Course. Listen, Cheryl, there's no need to apologize. You take a cut. You should take a yeah, cut. Yeah. So we. I mean, but you. but. Our, our focus is promoting the arts right. and the artists. So it's at 80-20. We're the least expensive of any place I know. Right. Okay. And do you, are you successful in selling art? Yeah. Actually, the current show that we have right now, which is the 56th annual Motherlode show, uh, we've sold seven pieces so far. You have. And what's an average price at the MAC? Is it $500, $5,000? Like, what is it? We can really uh, range from $50 to six, 7000 Very nice. Um, I would say the most expensive piece that we've sold is $2,500. Um, yeah. So that's good for the artist. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah. And, and that's the whole thing. I mean, they are really the – an artist is really the ultimate small business, right? Right. It's a it's a one person show. They don't have any Right. Which leads me to my next Jose question. Jose has two questions on this show because he's actually an artist. In all your years at the Mac, have you noticed if an artist can make a living wage through their art? Or is the phrase starving artist outdated? What are your thoughts about that? Well, so things have changed a lot. Uh, in in the industry itself, like having the whole gallery scene is is very different. It used to be that you might be represented by a gallery, and that gallery then takes fifty percent of your cut. Right. But with the advent of the internet, yeah. Instagram, yeah. all of these other platforms, when Etsy came on board, exactly. right? I was going to say Etsy. Yeah. So there's there are all these ways in which right. artists can sell their work now. <clears throat> You still kind of want that gallery, though, who very much cultivates collectors and people who like a certain style of art. So you, one is not necessarily better or worse than the other. They're just different. Yeah. Um, but there are artists. We have artists that are making a living uh, doing art. But it, it does take – it is more than a full-time job because – like I said, the ultimate small business, you've got to have the business sense of it, and then you've got to have the maker right. instinct as well. So listen, you're an artist. I've seen your art on your website. It's beautiful. Do you sell yours? Uh, actually, uh, yes, I yeah. do. Um, the current show, which I was blown away that I, one, got in because there were 413 entries and only 136 people got in. Um, so that's like 26% well, I'm chance. Sorry, let's, let's backtrack. Which show? The Motherlode show. Oh, okay. And uh, So wait. Oh, okay. So we're so, going to talk about the Motherlode show. You had how many entries? 413. Okay. So how does that work? So, so I, I submit a piece. Who am I submitting to? So this particular show, I am hosting the Placerville Arts Associates. Right. Which I also am an, a member of. Um, we have a lot of crossover membership between Rancho Cordova Arts and the Placerville Arts Associates. Artists are typically members of more than one group. Okay. Um, on average, I would say the average is three. Some might be members of six different organizations. Some might only be one or two. Uh, but I'd say the average is three. 
So the very first night, the night of the reception, my piece there, The Natural World, sold for $500. Very nice. Yeah, I was stunned. Wow. I, I was, Look at you. I was speechless because yeah. when somebody said, this couple has a piece that they, they want to buy. And so I grab my book and I've got my thing and I'm like okay do you want to show me the piece or do you know the title and when he said it I was like you know I got that kind of head cock sideways and I was like really I didn't say it but no, you I thought, thought it. it yeah yeah so here's a this is completely off topic to the questions I'm asking you because as we speak more questions come to mind because I am truly fascinated by it how as an artist do you put a price to something so you do something how do you say I'm going to sell this for five thousand dollars, or I'm going to sell it for five hundred dollars? How do you put a price to a piece of art? So there's a lot of different ways, and we do uh, workshops uh, through Rancho Cordova Arts and the MAC for artists to come to that are free for artists on things like pricing. Okay. Because you can have a formula like there's a formula of. Um, Take the length and the width in inches, multiply those two, and then double that. That is the average cost of what most. Uh, I do something a little bit, I do that, but then I will take, in effect, if it's encaustic, if it's oil and cold wax, or if it's acrylic. Acrylic is much cheaper to produce. Um, encaustic is really expensive. The materials itself are expensive. Um, oil and cold wax, it's a little bit expensive, but not quite as much as encaustic. So I do those little things. And then does it have a frame on it? Does it not have a frame? And then I think to myself, where am I at in my level and my career? Am I an artist that can get 10,000? No, I'm not there yet. Right. So it is the age old question. And probably the hardest one that an artist has to make is, oh my God, what do I have? What do I sell this for? And there are artists out there that sell themselves way, way short. And then artists that think quite highly of themselves. Wow, it's fascinating. I'll tell you a story about a piece of art. So I manage actors. And there's an actor that I manage. His name is Bud Court. He, I'm going to tell you a story. He, if he listens to this, which is doubtful, but if he did, he wouldn't mind me telling you this because he's told people. But he, um, he, knew, and I, he knew an artist who, when he was alive, was nobody, but when he died, became somebody. I can't tell you that artist's name because, honestly, I've, I can't remember. But Court is his name. He's known for the movie uh, Harold and Maud, and he was Harold in Harold and Maud, and he went on to do a lot of films. So he found himself, as most actors do, going through hard times, and he had this painting that this artist gave him, and the artist said, look, I'm going to give you this, but you can never, ever sell it until I die. So the guy dies. Bud has this piece of art. He's thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to pay the light bill? And he thinks, oh, I wonder if this is worth anything. So he takes it somewhere. Check this out. $4 million is what he got for it. Wow. Changed his life. $4 million. Wow. Sitting, just sitting in his house. Yeah. So it's incredible how um, art works. It, it really is, and it's become a commodity. Uh, I think it was uh, last year they were saying that um, people were buying more art than they were yeah, gold right. as investments. Right, I heard that. We're speaking with Cheryl Gleason, 
curator and art director of the Mac. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. If I was to ask which of the following book publishing formats has the highest year-over-year -year growth in the last three years, audiobooks, paperback books, or ebooks, what would you say? If you chose audiobooks, you're absolutely correct. Unless you've been living in a cave for the last few years, you have experienced the advent of audio. Think about it. We listen to podcasts in our cars and at the gym. Portable, high-quality Bluetooth speakers are abundant, and everyone is listening to audiobooks. As a matter of fact, almost half of all Americans listened to an audiobook last year, and the audiobook market is worth nearly $3.5 billion. If you're an author and you've wondered or thought about producing an audiobook for a book you have written and published, here at the California Capitol Film Office, we can make that happen. With a newly developed sound booth and experienced sound engineers, we can help you develop your book into audio. So give us a call and let us help you bring your written book to life. For a quote or a consultation, call us at 916-706-2000. That's 916-706-2000. And now, back to the show. So we're back with Cheryl Gleason, the curator, director of the MAC here in Rancho Cordova. So Cheryl, how do you pick the exhibits that are going to be displayed at the MAC? Oh, uh, a lot of people ask me that. So um, I do a lot of research on traveling exhibits. I remember when I first got my job, um, you know, I, I didn't really have experience at doing this. I had done an internship in college and worked at a gallery, but um, I was like, so what do you do when you want to find something? You Google it. Right. So you just Google traveling exhibits and all of a sudden, you know, and I started pouring over different uh, sites that have, you know, things that are $450 to $120,000. And you got to find things that are in your budget. So we do a balance of, I'd like to have something within the year for everybody. Um, so we do some traveling exhibits, which uh, can be oftentimes a little bit more work because there's extra paperwork, extra stipulations, depending on like when we had the David Hockney exhibit. That was like an amazing dream. You had a I was, David Hockney I exhibit? Was, I was handling original David Hockney prints. And it was... At the Mac? At the Mac. You did? It was our first David year. David Hockney is one of my favorite artists. He is my favorite artist. Wow. Okay. I, yes. didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, my God. I love, love, love him. These were real David Hockney's? These were real David Hockney's. Wow. Okay. I know. I know. It was fabulous. I was in my own little world. Um, <clears throat> sometimes... That's an insurance nightmare. Yes, it, that was. Oh. Um, so <clears throat> oftentimes I, I try to find something that's going to be fun for kids and younger people, um, like the Lego show was super popular, the initial one that we opened with tapegami uh which was uh tape art um we just did the oreo cookie art sculpture with christopher creek from um 
Utah for our fifth anniversary. So I like to have a fun element in there. I also like to have things that are culturally and historically make people aware because no matter how much time has passed, it seems like we're always still dealing with some of these same sort of social justice, uh, cultural issues. And so, and that's really what art does is it has a conversation, even if the conversation is only between you and yourself and that piece of art, it's a conversation. And um, I like to make people think. But some exhibits, like um, we did an exhibit with typewriters. And people said, how did you get this idea? I was sitting the show that we had, and it was a cold wax. It was a wax show. And it was the very first year. And um, I was talking with Kay Sable at the time. She was the... uh, board member for uh, Sierra Wax Group. And she starts telling me, I have 63 typewriters. And I'm like, who has 63 typewriters? And she starts talking about, she does this blog, and have you ever had a, a type in? And I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. So I got up, I went, I got a piece of paper out of the printer, and I said, okay, keep talking. And I started jotting some notes. And I, I in my head as she's talking, I'm like, I see a show. Yeah. I see a show with this. Like typewriters, <laughs> her earliest one was from 1911, which is the same year as our building, through 1970. And we had three different stations where you could come in and you could sit down and you could actually type a letter. Wow. And watching kids. Did they know what it thing, was? No, they yeah. had no idea. Yeah. Where's the delete button? How right, do you, and right. once it reached the end, they're How like, do you plug now, it in? Yeah. What, now what do I do? Where's the screen? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just fascinating wow. to watch. But I knew that you can have typewriters, but then you have all these blank walls. So I did an open call for local artists to do uh, art on topography. It didn't have to have words that made sense. It could be just letters. It could be random. It could be... And it turned out that that's... It was a lot of people's favorite show. Yeah, it sounds. Listen, we have an old typewriter here in the office that we got from a movie set. And it's it's an old one. I don't know. You can look at it when we leave. It's old. And it's one of my favorite things. I look at it. It's right by my desk. I yeah, look at it every day. It's beautiful. They're pieces of art. Exactly. So that now opens up another whole thing. So how long does it take to to come up with that? Like, it's not something you can do in, like, a week or a month. I mean, there's a there's a lead time to this. Yeah. So, so how far in advance do you work? So today, you go back to the office today, and you're thinking about an exhibition for when? 2023, 2024? Oh, no. 2023 is already... Done? It's done. The magnets yeah. are out. The okay. sca- stage is set. So 24? 24 and 25. Yeah? Okay. So some of the traveling exhibits... Um, they will get booked two, three, and four years in advance. Um, so once you've started booking a few, then when they get a new show, sometimes they'll send you stuff, right? And then you become um, part of their mailing list and part of their vendor client base. And so as the years are progressing, it's getting a little bit easier to find those traveling exhibits because sometimes they literally come to me. Um, but I, I try also not to have 
too many of one thing and I try to break it up. So there's two shows a year that are a constant and that is we always have a kids show mm-hmm. and that is for Rancho Cordova students or so if you live let's in... Let's not talk about that because I want to okay, we'll, specifically we'll... talk about the kids okay. show. Yeah. And then we have our members show which happens every year. And, and I want to talk our... about that one too. That's our Rancho Cordova So those are the members. two staples. Those are every year. Right. And then the others become plug-ins. Okay. So I'll look at something that might uh, be a traveling exhibit, and I book those first because some other gallery or library might have that. So I've got to find a place to plug that into. And then I work through some of the crazy thoughts and ideas that come to me all year round uh, into the other parts. So you have the budget to be able to plan that far ahead? Yeah. You know what your budget will be in 25, for instance? Uh, pretty close, assuming yeah. that I do a good job yeah. and, and keep staying the track. Okay. Um, we actually had we had to uh, do a little bit of a different because the, the CEIF grant is, is typically, it's, it's just a year. Right. And it goes from July 1 to June 30th. Right. Um, you can't operate a gallery like that. Right. With the advent of the right. traveling exhibit. So we have a three-year contract. Okay. And that's the difference. It's because I'm t- today or this week, I'm going to be booking a show for 2024. And before, probably before our break in December, we'll be booking one for 2025. Wow. That yeah. is way ahead. It, you that's, know, I, Charles, was not a yeah. planner before, but this job... You've no, got to be a really good planner. I have run theaters. I know you have to book. I mean, a theater yeah. a year ahead is a long time, right? Yeah. So I can't imagine three years ahead. Yeah, it's mind. Wow, that's mind blowing. It is. Is there a criteria when you're choosing exhibits? Do you have a? We talked about yes. it a little bit, but like, is 2024 going to have a theme and 2025 going to have a theme, or not really? It's just you um, try and mix and match. It doesn't have a theme overall. It's just that there's something a little bit for everyone. Um, I I do try to get all of the elements into the year of promoting local artists, uh, traveling exhibits, something socially conscious, um, something that's rancho related. So for example, this year we did the Champions Show, Mm -hmm. which was um, showcasing all of the six years that the uh, Athletic Association has been inducting members into the Rancho Cordova Hall of Fame. And this is specifically Rancho Cordova. Specifically yeah. Rancho. Right. And then we had a hat show that was specifically from a, a local historian and collector of of hats. And um, there were 827 hats hanging So actually the, the hat show is one that I was going to ask. Is I remember one day you talked to me about the hat show. Does it have something to do with Broadway or was I dreaming that part? No, no? you might have okay. been dreaming that part. Yeah. But you said to me, I'm going to do an exhibit with hats. And you started to tell me, and it was fascinating to me. So tell us about that show. You know, that that was probably the toughest curatorial job ever. Right. So we bought this collection of 827 hats. You bought them? We bought them. So you own them? Yes. Where are they? They're in storage. Wow. Okay. Um, so and you these, can you can bring it back an encore. These no 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 oh no. <laughs> that show took me three weeks 
to curate. Really? To put up. Because I had to figure out how do you make 827 hats look good, and then how do you get them to be on the walls instead of just on tables and on heads because right. there's not enough floor right, space. Right, right. And each one presumably had a description, right? Uh, we had feathered hats, woven hats, felted hats, uh, beaded hats, uh, flowered hats. I, I had, after we bought the collection, I sat down and photographed every single one of them individually and separated them out by kind. Wow. And... And remember, folks, you do this yourself, right? 63, she, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she does this herself. I had a little bit of help from Deborah Kelly on that one, but it was one of those where it literally had to be done in small increments a little bit at a time. You couldn't ask very many people to help you because it was just a slow, methodical process. And that was successful, that one? Hugely successful. Yeah. Like, it was a wow factor when people walked in, they were like, Hats. Oh, my right. God. I, yeah. Yeah. So some of the exhibits are very elaborate. I, the champions, we just touched on the champions. So I saw the champions. So not only when you walked into the uh, into the gallery, you had mannequins that, or, or that had jackets on. You had football helmets. You had baseball bats. But each one was accompanied with a big sort of beautiful sign that described who it belonged to, where it was. Who puts all those signs together? You do? So on that one, it was the um, <clears throat> team of Mike Mirando, mm -hmm. Shelley Blanchard, and myself. Right. So Mike wrote all the descriptions. Shelley did all the artwork. We sent them to the printer, and then I curated the show. Now, knowing what things cost, that was not a cheap thing. No. Because printing those, is yeah, is, those were beautiful signs. Yeah. So, do you keep those? Like, what happens at the end? Yeah, because those are actually we'll use those probably for a Hall of Fame next right. year for the inductee ceremony. That's one you can sort of rehash, right? Yeah, and it's and it's we do it on coreplast, so it can be used outside. It's very weather resistant. Um, we could lend it to the high school or something if they wanted to to do a show. Um, there's, you know, we always seem to be able to bring stuff back. back. Yeah. Yeah. So is it, so the exhibits, is it your decision solely? We may have touched on this, but is Cordova Community Council involved in the decision making with you? No. Just you? Just me. So anything you see at the Mac has the Cheryl Gleason stamp? Yes. Very nice. Uh, when I first started out, I got a lot of help and guidance and mentorship from Shelley. Um, because, you know, I'm not a resident, and Rancho has a lot of history. Right. And so I, while at the time some of it didn't make sense to me, um, it really allowed me to grow within the position to understand the community that literally I am serving as the person who brings them art and, and culture to the, to the MAC. And as we're talking here, we could be talking about a state-of-the-art museum in any city, America here, and we got to remember everything's free. Yes. It's free for anybody. Anybody. doesn't yeah. matter where you come from. It's, so yeah. Sacramento, Placerville, yep. they just walk in the door, don't pay a penny. Correct. Okay. What, what kind of turnouts do you get? Are the attendances good? 
Well, you know, the, the past few years with COVID, uh, we managed to only be down two months. Um, as soon as we went into lockdown and it was clear that this was going to be uh, taking a while, I knew I had to come up with a plan. So I wrote out a proposal to how we could reopen safely and presented that to the city and the city sold off on it. And so we were back open. And I will tell you that the last concert that we had um, this past October, a group of ladies that would come to the gallery and they come to the exhibit and they've purchased art before. I sat down with them and said, how's everything going? Are you enjoying the concert? You know, And they said, oh, it's great. Everything's wonderful, but we want to tell you something. And I said, what? We want to thank you because during COVID, we had no place to go. We were all locked up, but we knew we could come to the MAC and it was a safe place where we could be in public. We could see an exhibit. It, it, got, it kept us going. And that was just yeah. the absolute greatest compliment right. anybody could give. Because we opened the film office in um, October of 2019. And when we open, of course, it takes a while to get things going. And then we get into the new year, January of 2020. And then off we go, and we're thinking, okay. And then March of 2020 comes along, and everything shuts down. And that was my introduction to this city, Rancho. <laughs> and I remember meeting you, and you, and and I remember thinking, wow, that's really cool that you're open. But you you sort of moved all the concerts outside, right? Well, we'd always uh, we'd always done concerts outside, but um, I had to create a plan where uh, I could create one-way traffic in the gallery. I could have a different entrance okay. from an exit. I see. Okay. Um, a certain capacity, so there were never any more than, you know, depending on what the protocol was at the time, the least was 15 people in the gallery. The most was 25. Right. Um, so we just. So you really thought it all through. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted people to have a safe yet fun. Right. Uh, experience, and while it wasn't the most blockbuster. Those people that did come, appreciated. I know, really appreciated yeah. it. So now we move. Now we're past all that. Hopefully, kind of, not really, but kind of. well. Let's let's talk before COVID, where nobody ever heard of COVID. Right. So what were the tendencies? Were they good? Are the tendencies good? Do yes. people? Because art traditionally is, you know, uh, you know, some people are into it, some people are not. Um, yeah. So it's it's different. And it's difficult because every show is different. Right. Um, show will either appeal to a, a, a group or a subset of people that it doesn't appeal to anybody else. Some are just uh, overall, they're great. Um, by far, the biggest attendance was our Lego show. Yeah. But we sort of had the perfect storm and trifecta where we made front page of the ticket right. in the Sacramento Bee. Right. Um, we had five TV stations come out and film. Right. And so it was just yeah, this. so it was a huge. It was huge. The once, the once every 10-year one. Exactly. Yeah. The last day we had So we're talking hundreds of people, thousands? Uh, the, last, the last day of that exhibit, we did 1,026 people wow. in five hours. Wow. It was a lot. Free. 
Free. I keep emphasizing. Yeah, free. free. Yeah, we because... are the best kept secret right. in all of the Sacramento metro area. So when you get that kind of publicity, and it, you're you're now exposing new people that have never heard of the Mac, and they're coming, do they when they come and they have their wallets out and go, how much? Uh, some people do, yeah. or I get phone calls. Hey, uh, the how exhibit much? you have, how much does it cost? Wow. And I get back to them right away and say, it's free. Come on down anytime. Yeah. Okay. And then because we're only open three days a week, there are some exhibits, and I, I'm still working the five and six days. Right. Um, I'm sure you are. On Tuesdays and Thursdays when I'm typically there, um, I like to have offer those, depending on the exhibit, if anybody wants to come in, wants to bring a group, like I've had some senior groups at, at Carlton Living, which is down on uh, Watt. Uh-huh. They've come to a few shows. They bring the bus of seniors. Yeah, yeah. And wow. that's so much fun to yeah. be able to get out. I've done some tours for schools, but it's really tough to get yeah. the, the schools involved sometimes because of their scheduling. So are there any exciting exhibits that you're planning in particular that you can tell us about today as we are sitting here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So any secrets? Or 2020, 2023 is, is going to be a great year at the yeah. MAC. We're going to start out the year with a exhibit from the Smithsonian. And it's called uh, Writing a Wrong, Japanese Americans in World War II. And so when you say from the Smithsonian, it's been on display at the Smithsonian? Yes. And they're letting you, they travel it, and they're mm-hmm. letting you display it? Yes. Okay. That's a whole other show as to what criteria that involves, what Oh, what the, the paperwork guide. is, yeah, yeah. But that's for another day because <laughs> uh, this is going to be a long show. And we're, we're, we're going um, to have some speakers. We're going to have some lectures okay. about uh internment and yeah uh, we have a local legend here in the rancho area kiyo sato who's right. written a book and is writing her second she book. she was interned and she was interned yeah. um she has a lot of history with the building itself i've had her speak before and um we will we will hopefully yeah. have her okay. speak in february so that's one what's another one um <clears throat> we're going to do a special city exhibit for the, the city is turning 20 years So of my last life. question to you today, this isn't the last question, but my last question was going to be, what are you doing as the MAC for the 20th anniversary of well, the city? We're going to do something special. Oh, is that, that a secret? That's a secret. That's a we'll, secret. We'll Shelly was, oh, that's a secret. I can't yeah. tell you anything. <laughs> she started saying there's going to be a train involved and this, that, and the other. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I'm definitely... Look, if, but safe to say 2023, 2024. Yeah. And, and this year, uh, there's one show that I'm, I'm pretty excited about, and that's called When Art and Poetry Collide. Okay. And so uh, for all of you poets out there, uh, listen up, because artists will find a poem that they like that speaks to them, and they will create a piece of art based on the poem. Okay. And the two will be side by side in the gallery. So the poem and the piece of art. Right. Who came up with that? You? Likewise, um, poets will find a piece of art that they like and write a poem about it. And that's called ekphrastic writing. And it is... I hired an instructor for the Youth Poet Laureate group, and she's a 
poet laureate from uh, El Dorado, um, Laura, and she taught the kids how to do that. And I'm like, this is a wonderful, I had never heard of this. So she taught this class and I sat in and I just, I loved it. I did uh, listen to the kids that wrote about the different poems and I'm like, this is a show. This is a show. I just didn't have the title and I wasn't quite sure how to put it together, but I just kept ruminating on it and wow, it's going to be a show. So now let's talk about the, the staples that you do, the different events that you do. So you recently had Author's Day, um, which it's, obviously that's not art per se, but it is a book is an art form, of course. So tell us about Author's Day. First of all, what was it? Um, and how did it go? Um, so it was our first ever, and it was inspired by um, Shelley's daughter wrote her first novel, and she was out on this book tour. And we were kind of joking around. So she was on book tour because it's a published novel by a publisher? It's, a, it's published by a publisher. By a publisher. Very nice. Okay, I didn't know that. And so. You know who else is an author? Mark Saposnik. He told is us that. He yeah, really? he's written. Uh, He's either written one book and he's got another one, but he's he told us all about it when he was here. Well, he's going to have to be yeah, in the second you should, one. Definitely. So we just put out a call for local artists that had something to do with Rancho Cordova. They maybe they grew up here. We had um, actually two people that were inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, in Rancho Cordova are also also authors, mm -hmm. and they were uh, at that. So I had. Um, 18 authors, and it was brilliant. It was, we had it upstairs, and each author had a table and their book or books. So they were they could sell their books? They could sell them, and they could talk, talk to about people. Them. Yeah. yeah, and it was just... And well attended? It was very well attended. Yeah. You had Randy Lurch, I hear. Yes, we had yeah. Randy Lurch. Yeah. We had Kiyosato. Randy Lurch, for those who don't know, is an MLB... Yes, player, or very famous MLB player of the past. Yes, we. Um, oh, Kyo Soto was there. Kyo Soto yeah. was there, um, and it was just it was fabulous. Yeah, yeah, we were filming. I I really wanted to come to this. I have a strong interest in books, but we were out of town that day. And you know, it's it is an art because it's the literary art. And now with our youth poet laureate program. I really want to include more of that so that we're not just a gallery and we're not a museum. We really are a cultural, cultural center. center. Yeah. And so I, I really do try to make sure that um, the, the, the variety of things we're doing sort of live up to that, right. that fact. So on the uh, subject of Poet Laureate, tell us about that. I noticed that you I, I saw on your website the youth Poet Laureate 2022-2023. What is that? And how did it come about? Well, it came about because of uh, um, David Sander. David Sander. Who's a council. Who's a council member and also is a board member for uh, CCC. Um, I think had been talking to somebody who, a parent or something, and said, oh, you should have this, blah, blah, blah. My daughter writes great poetry. Um, so it kind of got funded through the city, and then because it's the arts, it landed on my desk. And I am 
Shelly and everybody around will tell you that I am a horrible speller and I can write about certain things, but that is not my forte. Poetry? I like poetry, but just writing I'll in write general. Oh, writing in general. Yeah. So I was like, but I'll give it a go. So uh, we were a little bit behind in the first year because we had gotten the proposal so late. Um, so we had a sort of partial year. And it takes a lot to build up something new in a city um, and working with schools when, uh, you know, they've got their own agendas and they've got so much on their plate already um, to make everybody aware of what we're doing. So we're on our second year. So this will be our first full so year. So do we have a Rancho Cordova Young Poet Laureate? We will have our first one crowned this year. We okay. didn't crown one last year because we only had two. We don't two, know who that is yet. But we don't know who that no. is yet. Okay. But we have some folks that we have classes for them, workshops that take right. place at the MAC. Um, and uh, we've got some very yeah. talented young yeah, people. Yeah. Is there an, what's the age group for the Poet Laureate? So we're looking for um, kids in Rancho that are between the age of 13 and 19. Okay. And they so, apply? Yeah, they just yeah. they sign up. It's completely free to them yeah. because it's it's well, being sponsored it's yeah. by the Community Enhancement Fund. And it's a really great program for young people to meet new people, to, you know, learn. They're, we're hiring actual poet laureates to teach them workshops, and then they will eventually do a competition. So how is the poet laureate going to be crowned? We are going to crown them. So... They will have to get up, and we have, we actually belong to Urban Word and the National Youth Poet Laureate Program, and <clears throat> so we're an affiliate of them, and we will have a competition. A panel will judge them based on the national rubric, and then we will have a commencement at our student show in April. Very nice. So on the same vein of poetry, you have a poetry open mic night coming up. Is that the first one? Uh, not quite. But this one is a little different, right? This one's it's a, a hip hop. This kind one's of a feel lot different. Because so tell us about him and and that. Oki Junior is. Is an, he local? He is local. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I met him doing a show at Sac State that ended up. Uh, it was because of COVID. And it was completely virtual. So we've never met face-to-face. -face. Um, I've been following him. He's a great rapper. He's an entrepreneur. And he's a poet. And he also teaches poetry in Yolo County. But he's originally a kid that grew up in Oakland. And he started to go down kind of a not-so-great path. Mm -hmm. And so he moved from Oakland into uh, Napa, where he lived with his older brother. Graduated school and then went to school at Sac State. Very and nice. he's well known. Yeah. And that's um, November 19th, right? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. 17th. 17th. Yeah. Okay. So this will be, uh, by the time this show airs, it will have happened. Yeah. Is that a continue a continuation type of event? Yeah. We want to do more of these, especially yeah. with the Youth Poet Laureate. Yeah. And it is an art form as well. We want to have more and more of these. We just need everybody to know that. Uh, yeah where we are and, sure. and that it's happening. So a question for you, Cheryl. As an art curator, do you think art is important in the development of young people? Absolutely. 
Um, I, I think it's critical, actually. Yeah. It was. And in fact, there are studies. Yeah, there are say, so yeah, many studies. Right. And you know, if you talk to, I, I think it was, uh, it was a year ago, this last fall, that somebody asked. Um, I think he worked for either Oracle or um, IBM, the CEO. What are you looking for in an employee? And he said, creativity. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just happen because a lot of what we do when we teach kids is, is teach that out of them. Right. And art becomes a avenue to where not only can they express themselves, but they have to deal with problem solving. And that's a creative process, problem solving. And I, I don't think that our education system does a, uh, a justice. And this I would imagine, because you're very passionate, is why at the MAC there are so many programs for young people. That and our RC Arts uh, nonprofit right. also. Um, we do a fundraiser every year, which we donate art supplies to Rancho Cordova teachers right. for their classrooms. That they would normally have to pay for themselves. Yes. As teachers do. Yes. And this year, <laughs> we are giving them uh, $7,000 wow, worth of art supplies yeah. to eight, nine schools and 40-some teachers. Okay. What is the members exhibit? So um, when I got this job, our, we had the, the art at City Hall. We didn't have uh, an art. We had an art group, but we weren't a 501c3. So we actually applied, got a 501c3, established a board, and we were an organization. Um, so in order to create the arts in Rancho Cordova, you, you've sort of got to mix those two, and people get them mixed up as a downside of that consequence. But uplifting the art takes, you're uplifting all the arts. So having a members show once a year at the MAC was a way to have that group celebrate its members and celebrate our local artists. And you have a a student's program, right? A student art program. Yeah. What is that one? So April is Arts Advocacy Month. And that's where a lot of the arts programs go down to the Capitol. And there's a week where they um, literally just, you know, pound the legislative offices and tell them how important art is for kids. And so I know that my youth art was the one thing I was interested in and what kept me in school. Um, and I know that fact is true for a lot of artists. Right. So it was important for me to, I have this stage, I have this beautiful building with all these walls. How great would it be to have a show where kids get to come see their art in a really legitimate gallery right. in their hometown where everybody can come see it for free. Right, exactly. And the faces yeah. are just incredible. They get so excited. That must be a successful program. And we sell art. We sold yeah. 14 pieces last year. For the kids? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So any resident of Rancho or beyond, I guess, because it's not just Rancho Cordova, who has an interest in art, wants to be an artist, they want to learn a craft or a skill, is fortunate to have the Mac. 
because you offer several art and craft classes. So tell us about a few of those. Again, we don't need to mention free anymore because we know everything is free. So in 2023, they're not going to be free for the reasons that we've already discussed. So tell us about some of the classes that you offer. So um, offering classes that uh, has kind of a twofold sort of ability for the, for the community. One, it employs local artists. Mm -hmm. They get paid to teach the class. Right. So they're getting exposure, they're getting uh, uh, an opportunity to get in front of people and hone their craft of teaching. The other is to expose anybody who wants to, and I don't put age limits on classes because I don't really believe in that. Right. An eight-year-old will get out of it what they need to get out of it, and an 88-year-old will get the same right. what they need. Right. So when people say, what's the age limit, it doesn't no. matter. Right. We, we put way too much emphasis on right. those things. So I try to bring in a lot of different things that explore different mediums, different techniques. And a lot of those times you'll get a lot of the people will come to these and then you'll start to see their work change a little bit. They'll, they'll incorporate some of that into their own work or... I have families that would come as a family unit, their son, their daughter, themselves, mom and dad, and, and they did it as a family outing. So it's it's just a great way to have fun, spend quality time, be a part of a, a creative community, and also gain some So skill. what are some of them? We've done gourd painting. We've done um, a, a glass, glass fusing workshop. We've done... Uh, abstract collage, we've done scratch art, wow, we've done okay. figure painting, we've done, I mean, you Everything, name it, yeah. we've, we've done it. Wow. Yeah. So you bring in the teacher, they teach the class, people come in, and is it a course or is it a one-time it's a, thing? It's a one-time and it's, they last two hours. Yeah. I did have one class that was uh, painting of the, the face, it was a figure painting class, I had to actually kick them out. They were enjoying the instructor so much right. that after three and a half hours, I'm like, guys, yeah. we closed in a half an hour. We yeah. need to start cleaning up. Right, right. But they were so taken with him. So let me give you a hypothetical. I walk into the Mac one day and I say, hey, Cheryl, I'm Charles, and I believe I'm a budding artist, and I think I can be great, but I don't know how to start. I don't know what to do. I don't even know if anybody's going to like my art. So after you look at me like I'm crazy, what are you going to say to me? I get that all the time. You do? Weekly. Oh, and I was thinking it was a, no. an original question. No. No? Okay. Um, so I, sometimes I'll say, well, you have a, do you have a phone? Do you have, do you have any pictures of you? I would love to see them. Um, the other thing is I tell them about our classes. And then I tell them, are you any part of an art community? No, I just do this at home on right. my, you know. Well, part of what gets us more excited about art is looking at more art and other people's art because it stimulates the art that we're doing and the thoughts that we have. So the next thing I do is it's only $25 to join Rancho Cordova Arts and we have a lot of free classes. We have a, a, a website. We do all these different kinds of things. You've got four shows over at City Hall that you can apply to and our members show you can submit three, but you're guaranteed one in. That's part of being a member 
of Rancho Cordova Arts, you get to have no one of those in no matter how bad it is. Wow, okay. And everybody's at different stages in their careers. And art is so subjective that you may think your art is bad, but maybe it's really good. And maybe you just think it's bad because you're comparing something that exactly. you really like yeah. or a, a style that you really like to something of yours. Trump Loy isn't for everybody. Right. You know, abstract isn't for everybody. That is the beauty of art. Did you say Trump is not? Trump is for someone? (laughs) Definitely not. Okay. Um, So between now and the end of the year, you have um, a couple of exhibits. So let's talk about those. Going on right now, and in the interest of fair disclosure, by the time this airs, this exhibit is over. But it's the 56th National Motherlode Art Exhibition, which is a great name. What is that? We touched upon it briefly, but what is that? Yeah, so Placerville Arts Association has been doing this show for 56 years now. And uh, they have an art group up in Placerville, but... um, it's a national call, so they don't just put it out to local. It goes out nationally, and it's on entry thingy. So a lot of artists belong to, they, they get these emails for all shows all over the, the United States and the world. Um, they sort of outgrew their space, so they would have to look for new spaces, and they were at uh, Sac Fine Arts for a couple years, And then they approached me last year and said, you know, we would really like to have our show here. The gallery is so beautiful. It's so professional. Um, It's right off the freeway. We're right down the hill. You have lots of parking. There's, it just, we'd really like it. And I said, well, we got the train right there, right? We got the train right there. I said, well, I'm going to have to think about it. It's not something we usually do. Um, And then I started thinking about it and realizing we have a lot of crossover membership and it is this very, very large, prestigious show. So, okay, let's do it. Um, And uh, and they they had their best year ever at 413 entries. Is that going to be a yearly thing now, do you think? Um, I have secured next year. Yeah. But I don't know beyond that. Okay. So anybody who missed it listening to this? Hey, next year. Next year, 57th. Then the next show that you have, which people will be able to see, is called Winter Art Fest. And that runs November 25, 26, 27, and then again December 2, 3, and 4. Yes. So what is that? So this started um, eight years ago, before the MAC. Um, We would find places, especially over by Village Green, before that whole mall was taken up and rented out, we would ask one of the we'd ask the developer if we could utilize that space because it was just drywall or paint on a concrete floor, no TIs, no nothing in it, and we would have six or seven artists and we'd have like six feet of wall space from floor to ceiling to put our art, and we called it a pop up gallery. Okay. And so it would pop up at different locations, right. but it was always the same weekend. Always started on Black Friday. So that was the first show we had at the MAC. And it was sort of our dry run to see how the plumbing and the lights and everything worked with people in the building. So we only occupied the first floor. And um, it was then 
during that show in 2017, where I had my interview with Shelly, had actually gotten the offer letter and knew I was going to be hired, but could not tell anybody there that at that show that that's what was happening. And everybody was walking around going, I wonder who's going to who's going to run this? What is what do you think they're going to do with this building? Wow. What's going to be in here? And I just caraway. Yeah, yeah. I was just like So safe to say this might be your favorite show then. Um it's there it's always fun when you get 17 artists in a building that have 17 different styles. Yeah. So uh we we changed the name from Pop-Up cuz it was going to it had a home now. <laughs> and um so it's called Winter Art Fest, even though it's basically the same thing, but we have more artists now. And uh, last year, uh, I had someone come in and say, this is so much better than the Crocker Holiday Market. Yeah. It, well, that's like... That's a compliment. That's a compliment, yeah, right? for sure. This is someone who goes to the Crocker Art thing right. every year and right. to say that the level of artistry... Right. Yeah. It no, was I, just... I, I, I know, yeah. It was fantastic. So as we come to a close here, and this is a very long show, but it's a very interesting show, um, tell us just very briefly, what are some of the other events you put on throughout the year? So music is one. Music. You've and we're just gonna... started doing some theater stuff. Yeah, so um, we're housing uh, Rise Up Theater. Uh, they're looking for their own space, but we have um, dinner or a so dessert theater. So they're a local theater. theater company? Yeah. Yeah. They're here in uh, Rancho Cordova. Mm -hmm. And they've done several productions at the MAC. They have in January. But they'll they do be doing it without lights. And nope, they have lights. Oh, they bring the lights in. Staging the they whole do? nine yards. Okay. Yeah, and tables, and it's. Uh, I saw Nonsense, and it was fabulous. Yeah, Nonsense is a great show. It was a great show. Yeah. They're doing the Fantastics in January, and then we're doing a Pride show called uh, Celebrating Courage. Um, which is going to be 49 of uh, pictures done on paper, one for each person that died at the Pulse nightclub by John. It's called the it's called Pulse 49 Eulogies, and they are spectacular. Is works. that a traveling show? It is a traveling yeah. exhibit, and it's going to be coupled with open call for art okay. as well. So they're going to do Avenue Q upstairs. Yeah, the Broadway yeah play. Wow. During that month. And then music still goes on? Yeah, we're going to have some indoor concerts. We're going to start in February with the Stellis Trio, which is three people from our uh, local Symphony de Oro, which it is magical. Those are free concerts. Um, ben Rosenblum is coming back in March, on March 24th. He is a award-winning jazz pianist from New York, studied at Juilliard. He's doing a West Coast tour, and he's going to be there. He was there last year. That guy is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And that's still going to be outside? or do you... That'll be inside, upstairs. Inside, yeah. Okay. Um, I know we said we're coming to the end, but I, I could keep talking to you all day. So Rancho Cordova City Hall is known for the art that adorns the walls there. Mm -hmm. And it's very popular. I mean, it's, it's been there since I've been in this city. Is it a revolving exhibit? It is, right? So uh, it's four shows a year. So three of the shows have themes, and the last show of the year is open. Okay. And is that through you, or is that? 
So it, it is part of the arts, and, and everything that is art is me. So you have something to do with that? I Yes, I have yeah. everything to do okay, with it. Okay, very good. Why do you think the city of Rancho Cordova is so supportive of the arts, whether that be visual, your game, or the performing arts? Why is it that Rancho Cordova in the Sacramento region is so supportive of the arts? What do you think? Because you've been here a long time. Well, I think that... Um you know, I, I live in West Sacramento, and West Sacramento and Rancho are very similar. Mm -hmm. um, I think for a lot of years, Rancho Cordova got a bad name after the base got closed and um, the rocket Aerojet shut down, and there was, you know, a bit of blithe. Well, and, there was the perception of crime. There and was there was, yeah, and, and, you know, refugees and, and right. all these other things. And... Um, the city has worked really hard to show that that's not who they are. So when they became a city in 2003, now it now it's theirs, right? Now they have something to build. And you, you don't really become a city until you have culture. Right. Otherwise, you're just a suburb. Yeah. And I think if you really want to be a city and you want to be taken seriously and you want to be you know in that cityhood realm of other big cities and you want to get noticed then you have to have culture so people don't understand how much we have here right we have uh two theater groups we have the calcap film studio we have the mac we have the art at city hall we have Renew Imaginations, who's a new upcoming uh, visual arts. Mm -hmm. We have a symphony, a concert band, a swing band. I mean, it's incredible. When you think about it, all funded under the community enhancement. All except funds. for the swing band. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Listen, I I'm from Palm Springs, and Palm Springs is a very progressive city when it comes to the arts. But by far, this city is it beats Palm Springs. Yeah. The arts are important to us culturally, too, as a society. So right. I think the board and the council, they recognize that. So as we come to a close, is there anything that we've missed that you want to point out with the MAC? I know we've covered the whole gamut. And also, coupled with that question, tell us the hours and how people will find out. Tell us the whole, you know, do the selling point now. So uh, 2023 brings us to our uh, start of our sixth year. And um, we are changing the hours. Um, we are open Tuesdays, or I'm sorry, Thursdays and Fridays. We will be uh, open in 2023, two to seven. So we're just backing it up an hour. We're still open for the same amount of time, but we're gonna go two to seven because that seven to eight block, it just, it's not capturing enough people. Um, Saturdays were open from 11 to 4, as usual. And then you can book private tours on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Oh, you could do private tours. Yeah, you can yeah. message me, email me. Um, I'm all over the MAC website, which is rcmacc.org. And you can shoot me an email. If you have a group that wants to come out. I started it during COVID when people who might be Im immunocompromised right. wanted to see some art. I yeah. was already working, so sure. come on in. Sure. 
And then if someone wants to do something private upstairs, can they do that? Yeah, things are a, a little tougher because we do do a spotlight artist upstairs. Um, so when we have an exhibit downstairs, I focus on a local artist solo show upstairs. Okay. And it's kind of an incubator so that artists get an opportunity to see what is what what do you have to do in right. order to do a solo show? So the answer to that is no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> almost. Private tours, yes. Um, well, Cheryl, we're almost at, we really are almost out of time. I'm going to try one more time. What exciting plans do you have for the Rancho Cordova 20th anniversary celebration? You can give us a little tease, just like Shelley did. Oh, you don't have to spill the beans, just a, a tease that, because Shelley said, well, I can't tell you, but I can tell you it involves trains. Yes. Going down Folsom Boulevard. So now you start thinking, what? So then you think, okay, well, the is train it train will be going by the Mac. So is it on the tracks? Is it in nope. the middle of the street? Exactly. So she teased it, and everybody's thinking. So you can tease. Give us a little tease. You know, uh, so I'll be perfectly honest with you. It's not worked out yet. No? No. You're still planning it. Still planning. Yeah. Yeah. A, a show like that, we know we want to do something. Right. But uh, when it comes to how I'm going to p put the magic in the room, I don't know yet. Right. Okay. Well, we'll leave it there. Cheryl Gleason, thank you very much for being with us. But before we go, if you've listened to this show, we always end the podcast with a fun round of quickfire questions. We put people on the spot. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Tell us one word that best describes you. One word. Um, um, resilient. Resilient? Yeah. If you can be one person for a day besides yourself, who would it be and why? Oh, if I could be one person. Oh, you know, I, I don't know. No. I've been a lot of people, so I, I've done so many different I'll tell you my favorite things. was Michael Runner, the deputy city manager. Yeah. He said what I would have said, my dog. Yeah, I, I think about, like, my cat, but they just sleep. So yeah. it would be a really be uneventful yeah. un uneventful yeah. day. I think I would like to fly a plane. Yeah? Yeah, that would be fun, I think. Yeah. I have an immense fear of heights, but yeah. I think Flying I would like to fly yeah. a plane. Okay. What is your biggest pet peeve? Lying. Lying? A lot of people have that as a pet peeve. I... I I love it when people can say, you know what, I messed up. Yeah. Because we all do. Right. We don't mean to. Right. But just right. to blatantly lie about something is yeah. unnecessary. The next question, you cannot say artist. Okay. Do you have any hidden talents? Oh, yeah. Um, cooking. You are? You cook? I don't anymore, but I used to. Yeah. I used to enjoy it a lot. Wow. But now it, uh, yeah, I work too much. To, yeah. And um, 
I'm an okay golfer, but not great. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll say cooking and golf. Yeah. What projects are you working on today that you can't stop thinking about? Uh, am I going to be ready for Winterfest? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have a solo show coming up in uh, West Sac for two months in March and April. Your own stuff? Yeah. And oh. uh, so the gallery, so it's just me. So at the community center? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. At the okay. gallery 1075. Look at you. It, like a lot of your stuff? Uh, as much as will fit yeah. in the gallery. So I'm just trying to make sure that I have a cohesive body of work yeah. that all relates okay, to, well, the, uh, to the topic that, of I terrain. There's the project that you can't stop thinking about. I can't. Because that's an important project. Yeah. So before I ask you the last question, I love your website. So let's tell people your website again. It is GleasonGallery.com. And Gleason is G-L-E-A-S-O-N. O-N. GleasonGallery.com. Everybody should check that out. Check out the art. Cheryl did that. The last question I normally ask people is, what is your favorite restaurant in Rancho Cordova? But I've switched it a little bit with you. Mm. What is your favorite art gallery in the Sacramento region? Of course, not the Mac, because we already know that one is. Oh, um, I really, I love Art House. I like going there because uh, there's Sparrow Gallery downstairs, there's an exhibit in Art House, and then there are the artist studios, and oftentimes the artists are there, so you can just kind of walk right. in and talk to them, and I think it's a... Yeah, so I know where that is, but tell everybody where amazing. that is. Amazing. It's on our street in between 7th and 8th. Yeah, downtown. Yeah, downtown. Used to be the old foundry. Yeah. Um, it's a great place. I think it's a great business model. Well, Cheryl, that's about all we have time for this week on this week's show. I have really, really enjoyed talking to you. I've been looking forward to this. We had a little snafu last week, but um, thank you very much. We've been speaking with Cheryl Gleason, curator and art director of The Mac, a true, a true jewel here in Rancho Cordova. Cheryl, thank you so much for your time, and especially thank you for everything that you do to make Rancho Cordova such a fun and artsy city, and your contribution to making Rancho Cordova the city, in quotes, the city of arts within the Sacramento region. I really appreciate your time today, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Charles. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Rancho Cordova podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please follow us and leave us a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Also, please visit our website, at www.ranchocordovapodcast.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please send us a message via the website. And until next time, this is your host, Charles Lego.